The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show. It's always great to have you on. We're in our 13th year here at Voice America. And today, we are interviewing Solange Ritchie. And she has a debut thriller that's come out called The Burning Man. She is an author and practicing Orange County lawyer. And she's writing about some of the things that she's dealt with in her career. But this novel unravels a string of harrowing murders while while drawing us into the mind of a genius who is uh, definitely depraved. And the heart of the novel is the story of the killer's adversary, Cat. Now, as you all know, my show is very much about positives. So we're really going to look at the underpinnings of this book and, you know, what are some of the things that we can learn from it that are positive lessons in our life. Welcome, Solange. Thank you, Patricia. It's nice to yeah, be here. Yeah. Why did you decide to write this? Was this based on any of your, is, is this a fictionalized account of one of your or more of your cases or a composite of your cases? Um, no, actually, it's not. I have done uh, a little bit of criminal law, but the, the characters in the book um, came from a, uh, a desire to see um, a, a strong female lead in this particular genre. And I hadn't seen that in, you know, I, I'm a voracious thriller reader, and I've always seen kind of the more stereotypical male um, type of character in this role, and I wanted to see a strong female and thought it would be interesting to do a, a strong female. So that was the birth of uh, Dr. Cat Powers. Yeah, interesting. Now, your lead, Dr. Cat Powers, is a successful FBI pathologist who goes after the most heinous of criminals. Yet you make sure to write about the struggle that she faces balancing work and family. So talk about that and why that aspect was important in this type of novel. Well, because I think that that type of a challenge resonates with all women um, who work every day. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a CEO or an executive or you're, you know, you're working at the local fast food joint. If you have children at home, it's always difficult to, to balance everything. And I think it's a real challenge for many women and many families, and also for, you know, obviously for dads that are involved. Um, and I wanted to bring that to kind of the forefront and to humanize Kat's character. Um, again, in this genre, you tend to see kind of stereotypical characters with very little depth. And I thought that kind of having that, um, that challenge in her life would give her some humanization and some depth. Yeah, you also, you're used to doing a lot of legal research for cases. Did this prepare you for the research that you did on, you know, forensic pathology and these particular methods used by serial killers? 
Yes, I did a, I did a lot of research on um, serial killers as well as um, the, the psychology of um, serial killers and that type of thing. I ended up with a binder that's probably three inches thick, um, wow. which helps to fill in the meat of the novel as far as, you know, the middle, the middle part and, and really helps you to drive the characters home because without that research, you're, you're kind of guessing as to how a character may react to a, a type of situation and you're, you're guessing as to their motives and what really drives them. And I, I really wanted the, the novel to be strong and to be, um, frankly, well-researched and well-grounded in that area. Um, mm. So, yes, definitely the legal research did come in handy um, as far as knowing sources to go to, I mean, I looked at uh, the FBI's um, breakdown of, you know, serial killer psychosis. Of course, we all know names like Ted Bundy and people like that um, who have definitely been at the forefront. Um, you know, Ted, uh, people, ha- people have given me compliments saying that uh, our, my serial killer reminds him a little bit of Ted Bundy, so I guess that's a compliment. (laughs) Uh Do do you find that, you know, when you started doing research about this, that a lot of these serial killers, you know, had some real talent and maybe had genius that just went the wrong way, could have gone the other way? Yes, I I think in a great part, um, and I'm not saying this as a pejorative, but I think in great part, uh, many of the people that turn out with this type of psychosis um, are people that have, uh, you know, abusive families or abusive issues in their life or, or, as you say, have kind of taken a genius-level IQ and steered it in the wrong direction for whatever reason. And I really wanted to kind of bring that out in the book, not to make the serial killer empathetic for any reason, but to just show that there are, you know, there's a human side to him as well. And I think that balances nicely with Kat's humanization to make him human as well. Hmm. Um, And it's something you don't see in these types of books. You always see the killer as, you know, again, a very kind of, um, I want to say paper mache type of character where it's just a stand-up character. Um, and I didn't want to do that with this book. And I think that's one of the reasons it's been nicely received by the media and the industry. Yeah. Well, important. Do you see strong, powerful women like yourself sufficiently represented in this thriller kind of mystery genre? No. And that was, again, a reason to um, to write the book is is that, you know, the the genre is generally... The protagonist character is usually male. Um, they're usually, you know, the male ex-military, ex-Navy SEAL, beer-drinking, cigar-smoking type, um, you know. And I wanted to, to write something different than that because I longed to read something different than that, and there was, frankly, not a lot out there. Um, I think the last type of character that was done like this was Patricia Cornwell, and, you know, she's been around quite a while. So I wanted to write something a little fresh and a little different um, and see how people reacted. And, of course, her work-life balance issues are something that I can relate to. Absolutely. You know, women are often portrayed as victims or femme fatales and thrillers. Uh, how do you think that the character of Dr. Cat Powers, who was a woman, expands this representation, you know, of women in this genre? Yes, she's um she's interesting because she's very strong. She's very strong-willed, and uh, she knows what she's looking for when she steps into a case. And usually, there's 
already dead bodies or there's already a crime that's been committed and she's always called in, um, you know, frankly, when the, po- the local uh, police are stumped. So um, I-, I think she, she portrays a strong, sensible, uh, well-minded, uh, rational, and yet um, able to work with others type of individual because you have to have all those qualities in doing what she's doing. Um, you have to be able to step into a foreign jurisdiction and, you know, not piss people off, make friends with people in order to get them to cooperate with your, mm-hmm. your investigation that you're bringing into their jurisdiction. So, you know, that always has its share of um, political issues going on and that kind of thing, and she's got to be sensitive of that. Um, when she steps in. And then also, uh, she's not the typical, like you say, femme fatale. She's not girly. She's not, she is, I think I've written her to be semi-pretty, but in a reasonable sort of way. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I, don't, I didn't want her to be soft and frilly. Uh, people have, you know, described the book as intense and gritty. And that's, you know, if you're writing serial killer stuff, you kind of have to write like that. So I look at those two words as a compliment as opposed to something um, unattractive. Yeah, and you did have to do a lot of grit. I mean, there were some violent images and scenes about children, too. Um, How do you feel about that? I mean, obviously, it was important to the novel, but how was that to write some of the gory details and particularly, you know, the the Dr. Power's son, Joey, when he's victimized? Yes, I... I didn't have difficulty writing it, and I tell you the reason is because I'm a lawyer and I have to deal with kind of the, you know, even though I don't do a lot of criminal law, I do have to deal with difficult uh, factual situations, whether it be, you know, corporate partners who are warring with each other or an employee who's been terminated after 20 years or, you know, a dispute amongst shareholders of a company, that kind of thing, where it does, you know, it can get ugly. And um, you obviously don't want a case to end up that way, but it's, you know, the facts are the facts, and you can't really, um, you can't really change them when a client comes into you and tells you their story. And so in, a, in approaching the book, I did the, the, the same type of approach. In other words, you know, this is the type of thing that's going to happen, and you can't really, you can't, you can't whitewash it. You have to deal with it in a direct manner. And, and I understand that, you know, the book may not be for everyone because of that, because it is difficult to read about a child abduction. Um, but I wanted to write it in a way that, that, that was pure and that was strong and that people understood what was going on instead of, as they say, kind of whitewashing over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Powers often finds herself as the only woman in the book, in the novel, among her colleagues. And so she will get some subtle but not so subtle gender discrimination. Now, do you think that women are still facing an uphill battle in the workplace? Have you had a similar workplace experiences uh, as Dr. Yes. Powers in the novel? Yes, I have. And I'm, I apologize for interrupting. But y- yes, I have. I've had it both um subtly in where I call it uh, institutional um, discrimination, where it's very subtle and, you you know, it's not directly affecting you, but you know it's there. And then I've also had the more, um, shall we say, invasive or pervasive uh, type of discrimination with the, you know, honey, deer, 
And and that's something, you know, as an attorney, I think, especially in litigation as a female, you deal with on a, I don't want to say daily basis, but every now and again it rears its ugly head. And, you know, I've had situations where I've been in court where, you know, you walk in and I'm the only, I'm the only female there except for two people, the court reporter and the, um, the court clerk. And the judge will be male and everybody around me is male. And, um, you know, it, you just have to be able to deal with those types of situations. And um, they come up every now and again. And, you know, thankfully, I think we're making big strides in the area of, of um, harassment and discrimination. It's one of the areas that I practice in. But, yeah, you do still see it, and it's still out there. And I think that's, you know, kind of a little bit of a, a message in the book is that mm-hmm. you do still see you know, kind of the offhanded comments. It's not as direct as it used to be, but it's still certainly there. Mm. All right. We're going to take a break, but tell our listeners how they can find your book. You can find it on, um, you can find it at your local independent bookstore, of course. And then um, we have uh, Barnes and Noble is carrying it as well as Amazon. And then you can also go to my website, which is www.SolangeRitchie. That's that's S-O-L-A-N-G-E-R-I-T-C-H-I-E.com. And uh, if you plug in there, we'll be happy to, uh, to, to give you the information necessary to get the book. And then, of course, I have an email registration there as well. All right, and my guest is Solange Ritchie. This is her debut thriller, The Burning Man. And it's definitely a thriller. There is an investigator and devoted single mom with the quest to catch the elusive Burning Man, who's been branded by the media and becomes a quickly all-consuming and chillingly personal. So it's, um, it's police are seeking out one of the FBI's most respected experts, which is this Dr. Cap. Powers. So a lot of the book is about her, Dr. Catherine Powers. And doctors, uh, doc, well, she is a doctor. She's a lawyer. Lawyer Solange Ritchie is the author of this book, The Burning Man. And you can log on, as we said, to the website. And give that out again, Solange, please. Sure. It's www.SolangeRitchie, which is S-O-L-A-N-G-E-R-I-T-C-H-I-E.com. All right, it's a very interesting, uh, it's a debut thriller, and it unravels a string of harrowing murders while drawing readers into the mind of a depraved genius. But because this is positive living, as you know, um, we really look at the positive sides of this, so we're really trying to understand the character of Dr. Catherine Powers and everything about her in terms of her motivations and uh, work-life balance. So we're going to continue more and talk more about Dr. Kat Bowers and why Solange Ritchie wrote this book and what it has meant to her personally. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. 
The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. No matter what your current situation is, you have a unique story to your life. It's a dynamically changing story that requires constant adjustments to lifestyle and environment. That includes your home. As you continue to enhance your living space, you are also making overall improvements to increase the value of your home. Join Laura Minniff each Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time for dynamic insights for your home environment on the Voice America Variety Channel. And start living now. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show hello everyone and welcome back to the patricia raskin show i'm patricia raskin my guest is solange ritchie And in her debut thriller, The Burning Man, she unravels a string of harrowing murders while drawing readers into the mind of a depraved genius. And at the heart of the story is the novel, and the uh, the novel of the story is the killer's adversary, Kat, and it's Dr. Catherine Powers, who is a forensic pathologist, and she is sought out by local police as one of the FBI's most respected experts. Now, and, and the story is a lot about her. It's about being a devoted single mom and the quest to catch this elusive burning man. But since this program is very much about positives, we look at what are the life lessons in this novel. And we welcome back Solange Ritchie. Hello, Solange. Hi, Patricia. Hi. Uh, good. And she is her she is a practicing lawyer and uh, has the legal background. So let's... Um, Let's talk a little bit more about the book and your location. You've been living more in the Orange County area, Laguna Beach, and this is featured prominently in the book. Um, Why did you choose these places of physical beauty? Is it because you live there? Yeah, I'm a big believer in in you write what you know. And um, because I live there, um, I can, you know, obviously describe um, many of the areas in detail, and I, you know, I know the ambient temperature, let's say, in Doheny Beach, which is south of where I live in Orange County. And I know what Ortega High, the top of Ortega Highway looks like because I've been there. And, um, you know, people in uh, uh, various towns have said, would, you know, would you write a, a book about my town or my, my area? And it, it's really difficult to do that for me unless I can visually see it, smell it, taste it, touch it, because mm. as a writer, that's one of the things that I want to do is bring the reader with me. Um, so, for instance, the scene where a cat is uh, wading out to uh, one of the bodies that's floating in the ocean, you know, I want the reader to actually feel the sun beating down on her shoulders and the seagulls up above and the sat- sand is moving underneath her feet as she, you know, as she wades out towards this body um, in Orange County. And, and so 
because of that, I, I uh, you know, I, I write about where I know, and um, I've written a second, third, and fourth book in the series, and those all are based, again, in areas that I have lived in or I know from personal experience. So you have two other books already out after this one. Yeah, I actually have three that are written. The second one has been looked at by my publisher and will probably be picked up by the publisher. And then the third and fourth are um, in the works. Uh, They are in first draft form, but I'm still working on both of them. But they're all featuring the same lead character, Dr. Catherine Powers. Yeah, some of the, the book's victims, like The Burning Man, that's the name of the book, the victims, are women from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. So do you think women from poorer backgrounds are more susceptible to being victimized? Or do their cases receive the same amount of attention? I think, the, I think they are more susceptible because they tend to put themselves in situations where they tend to be more vulnerable. Um, I think the cases generally are not given the uh, media attention that um, kind of more higher or mid-level socioeconomic uh, people in that area strata are. But if you notice in the book, the first uh, victim is a uh, college student from a a quite well-known, prestigious, um, smaller college in in Orange County. And then I um, kind of uh, contrast that with a a follow-up victim who is of a lower economic strata. So, you know, the idea is, um, that this killer is indiscriminate on how who he chooses to kill. It's just a question of um, are you in the wrong place at the wrong time with him? And um, that's very unfortunate, but it's the truth with a lot of uh, serial killers. Again, going back to you know Ted Bundy and his crime sprees, it was a lot of his victims were uh, in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he happened to just be in a situation where he would take advantage of them. And it, you know, it's, as women, I think we have to be on guard um, of our personal safety when we're out in public, um, and especially for young women, I think, you know, because we're so into our cell phones and so into our media, we're not sometimes paying attention to that little personal bubble around us, and it's it's kind of important, you know, to, to make sure you're in um, good company and make sure you're in a, you know, if you're out at night, make sure you're in a well-lit area and those kinds of things. It's it's something that um, I think is, is very important. Yeah. So you, you have to really... No matter what your background is, you have to watch and protect yourself. Yes, yes, yes. And, and I, I and I, like I say, I think with younger people because they they are into you know you'll see them and they're walking with their heads down and cell phone and you you may not be paying attention to your your personal space and you know having mm-hmm. almost been um, I was almost a, a victim of a crime at one point in my life when I was much younger and it, the only thing that kept me from being a victim was. The fact that I was aware of this individual who was frankly kind of stalking me and ended up getting in an elevator with me and, and um, exposing himself to me. And, you know, I, I was lucky enough to get out of the situation without anything happening. But, you know, I had my personal radar up. And um, I think women need to be aware of that and, and need to frankly trust that instinct. When you do feel that, that personal radar go up, you need to you need to, you know, not dismiss it and say, okay, there's something here that's telling me uh, uh, that I need to do something and, um, and follow that instinct. Yeah, that's so true. So important. 
Now, in your book, The Burning Man, uh, you revealed that um, there's a horrific childhood abuse. And why did you include this as part of the character? I mean, are we, su- are we supposed to feel sympathetic toward him, or does this excuse the killer's pathology and crimes? Meaning that, you know, the burning man who was the killer, serial killer, had this horrible childhood. Why was that important to conclude? Yeah, it's not, it's not meant to excuse it in any way. It's just meant to explain the fact that there are, um, unfortunately, when you do the research into, into these killers, you, you, you find over and over again that there, are, there is either a situation of parental neglect um, when they're children or there is an abusive situation. And it, it, it's a pattern that, um, that you see over and over again. So I wanted to include it to just n- not to em- people empathize with the character, but just to explain a little bit of what creates um, a serial killer. Um, and as you said, you know, they're generally above uh, average IQ. They're generally genius IQ, and it's just a question of whether or not that IQ is directed towards good or is it directed towards evil. And I think when you have a child who's um, very young, who's very smart, um, they they do generally don't participate in you know average school activities. They want something more, and I think that wanting something more is what creates the you know the 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 fascination with fire, the fascination with violence, the fascination with you know the kind of more macabre things that tends to create a, a that somebody of that making um and it's unfortunate because it's just um you know it's it's as i say it's something you see over and over and again in the research and i didn't include it to to make people feel sorry for the killer because the killer ultimately chooses to do what he's going to do um but i wanted to use it to explain his motivation and a little bit of his background yeah now you were born and raised in jamaica how did that influence who you are today? Did it influence your writing? Yes, it did. Um, it, it, it influenced who I am today because I come from a very large um, extended family in Jamaica. And I still have a lot of relatives down there. So obviously grew up with a lot of, a lot of people and a lot of uh, hubbub around. And it, I think it made me a people person. Um, I'm the third child in my family with two older brothers. And I think also being the only girl... Um, made me kind of the mediator of the three of us. I'm the one that's always in between everything, and I think that led to my career in, in law, frankly. Um, but uh, growing up in Jamaica, just you know, it's an absolutely beautiful island, and um, I uh, loved it. And I think because of growing up there, I write in a ve- very visual kind of mm. uh, sensory way. Um, because people have read the book and said, you know, I can almost see this as a screenplay or I can see it as a script. And um, and that's very rewarding as a writer because that's what you ultimately want to do is is when you write, you want to close your eyes and, and picture yourself in that it. scene and you want to be able to take the reader with you to that place. And if you can do that, I think you're a successful writer regardless of what the critics say. So um, when people give me that type of a compliment or they describe the book as intense, you know, that's, that's a, a wonderful thing to say as far as I'm concerned. How has the book impacted you personally in Solange, Solange and, and changed your life? Has it changed your life in some way? 
Well, it's it's the book's only been out for a, a few months, and um, personally, it's it's very re- rewarding as a writer to you know to frankly put your your baby out there and have it be um, well received. That's uh, extremely rewarding and gratifying. And um, I have two two other novels that are sitting in a closet that are gathering dust, and and maybe I'll dust those off and and send those out at some point. But um, I just love writing. I love creating worlds for people and creating characters and to have uh, Dr. Powers be uh, somebody that people can relate to just really thrills me. And, you know, I can't uh, I can't wait to start writing when I get back home. So, yeah, that's exciting. Tell people how they can get this wonderful book. It's called The Burning Man. It's a gripping debut thriller introducing a compelling power woman who is a forensic pathologist, Dr. Catherine Powers. And this book, The Burning Man, is written by our guest, author and practicing lawyer, Solange Ritchie. So how can people get this? Um, they can get it on Amazon, and it's uh, on Amazon at a discounted rate. And Amazon also has it um, on a Kindle version, if you're interested in Kindle. And, of course, um, Barnes & Noble is carrying it as well. And then your local independent bookstore, especially in um, the California and Florida areas, are covering it because I've done book signings in both those um, those areas, but also um, throughout the U.S. If you just walk into a Barnes & Noble and tell me, like, a copy of the book, they can order it for you. All right. Thank and, you so much. Um, thank you, Patricia. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it was really wonderful to have you on. Um, closing thoughts, we only have, like, 30 seconds. What would you like to leave our listeners with? Um, just that there will be more of Dr. Powers and hopefully look for her in the future. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. Stay on the line, please. All right. Thanks. This wraps up the first half hour with the Patricia Raskin Show. Stay tuned. We have a great second half hour for you with another great interview. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Show. I'm Patricia Raskin on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.